0: The Sheila Buff podcast. This is episode 15 Bobby from 2006 and as part of all my movies marathon this movie started at 805 p.m. on day 2. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And this movie, it's hard not to think of this. It came out first, but in terms of chronology, in terms of the history that it tells, it feels like a spiritual sequel to Parkland, the episode of Zack Attack that you were on that was all about the hospital where JFK was brought after he was shot. This is about the hotel where RFK, Bobby Kennedy, is shot. It's not about the politicians, either, movie, really. It's about the people that... Either come in contact with them, or come in contact with the people who come in contact with them. Ashton Kutcher is nowhere near Bobby Kennedy, but his life is forever changed because he gets arrested. You know, like it's just—they're yeah. the same movie, sort of about different Kennedy brothers. Yeah, and
1: in, in a way, I almost felt that this movie should have been called The Ambassador. There's kind of a double meaning there. It's the name of the hotel, and it could also refer to Bobby Kennedy being the ambassador for all these people, or or whatnot. But you're right. Like this is much more what I wanted out of Parkland. Like Parkland, we didn't spend any time before Kennedy got shot uh, with the characters to develop them to see how they changed once the event took place. Here is all that, you know, or well, maybe for me, I think it's maybe too much. I don't want to sound crass, but it got to a point where I was like, all right, you know, when is Kennedy going to get shot? Like, Let's fast forward some of this. It's well done, and I think it's a good movie, but for my liking, I think there's too many threads. We'll get into the casting here and how that became a major distraction for me. Yeah, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot going on.
0: I disagree. I don't think it's a good movie for the exact reasons that you just brought up. Like, I okay. think there's too much going on. I think there's too many things I just don't care about. Mm. there's too many people who yeah. are sort of tangentially related to Kennedy I think the log line for this movie is 22 people who come into contact with Bobby many Kennedy people. on the day he's shot and it's crazy and it's exactly you know I think you mentioned it the casting in this movie every scene at least for the first like half an hour or 45 minutes as they're setting up all these stories literally every scene is like another not A-list A-list but like as close to A-list as the next mm. level down can be yeah. like you have Shia LaBeouf obviously Obviously. You have Ashton Kutcher. You have Lawrence Fishburne. You have Heather Graham. Sharon Stone. You have Demi Moore. Martin Sheen. You <laughs> yep. have Emilio Estevez. I'm just naming things off the top of my head. I'm yeah. trying to think. Helen oh, Hunt. Sh- Lindsay Lohan. Elijah Wood.
1: You know, Mary Elizabeth Winstead shows up here. Uh, just, it's crazy. It was too much. It was
0: overloaded. You have Christian Slater back from yes. Info mm-hmm. There's so many people. And it's all, I mean, obviously... In a hotel. I feel like there are not enough movies about hotels because hotels are just literally filled with stories waiting yeah. to be told. One movie that came out a couple years ago that I recommend is Bird People, which is about two people in a hotel in the second half of the movie. This is I don't know if this is a spoiler or not, but like the main woman just turns into a bird, and just the second half of the movie is, is the rest of the movie like from her perspective as a bird, and it's amazing. It's wonderful. You know, there's so many different ways you can go with this movie in terms of who to cover, because they spend a lot of time in the kitchen. So you have, like, the chef, who's Freddie Rodriguez, who's El Rey from Planet Terror. You have him, who has the Don Drysdale, the Dodgers tickets. He's trying to go to the game. And then you have Lawrence Fishburne, who winds up going to the game. And you have Christian Slater, their manager. Like, you have three different stories, in theory in this kitchen, but just have one. Like, yeah. I feel like if you took this down to, like, five to eight instead of t- literally, I think, 22, it would be more manageable.
1: Absolutely. And, and what makes it a little more frustrating is that any of these threads could be fleshed out to a single movie, in a way, or at least take three or four of them and make a movie instead of, you know, like, like you just expressed, like, how overpacked the kitchen is and everything. It's kind of ridiculous to a degree there. There's just too many things. I, I, I was wondering, I was like, why are we following certain people more than others? And at the end, we come to find out, you know, most of the people we follow get shot along with Kennedy, right? Like they're in the kitchen at the end. And it's like, oh, Shia and his friend get right, shot. right? Yep. You know, Elijah Wood get shot and so on and so on. I think maybe, you know, they should have just focused on those on either just focus on the guests and do a movie about them and their experience or focus strictly on the staff of the hotel because on the staff you have like the switchboard operators and that could have been more interesting and developed and you have Anthony Hopkins who I thought was just the ghost of the hotel for half the movie because <laughs> I didn't understand why he was there talking to Harry Belafonte. They just don't have time to develop all of this story that they wanted. There's way too many storylines going on here. Yeah, like the frustrating thing is any of these could have worked
0: on their own, if they were just focused on more. I feel like this movie and Parkland, that I don't want to. I, I, I feel like we're gonna have to keep comparing the Parkland. Like they're both sort of bad in different ways. Like I feel like if you combine the best of both movies, you have like one really good movie. Because I think hmm. there's good things in both of them, and I'm glad that you were actually the guest on Parkland because you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like if I had to describe this weirdo Zac Efron movie that nobody knows exists, or if people who know exist probably don't remember that Zac Efron. Like it's just it's like you're the it's like the weird cross section of like Zac, <sighs> Zac Efron. Fandom, I guess, and movie fandom. There's good things in that, there's good things in this, but overall, like, I don't want to watch either of them again, because throughout most of these movies, throughout throughout both of these movies, there are entire scenes where you're watching, you're like oh, this probably doesn't mean anything at all. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're not connecting with the characters, you're, like, having a hard time figuring out why we're spending so much time with Lawrence Fishburne, he's sort of, like, meaningless. Like, he doesn't... Yes. Like, he's just, yeah. I love watching him, and I also realized, as I messaged you last night, that starting with Disturbia, the last movie we did, and going through Constantine, which is three movies from now, in a five movie span, Shia LaBeouf acted with Trinity, Morpheus, and Neo. So that's amazing. So I love watching Lawrence Fishburne on screen, but he doesn't serve a purpose here. So I'm watching a scene just like, I just don't care. It feels like the kind of movie where you could walk away and go get a drink or go to the bathroom and leave the movie playing and come back and not miss anything.
1: Yeah, I totally got that with the Demi Moore, Emilio Estevez, Hollywood, couple stuff going on like that Mm -hmm. was just super superfluous even William H. Macy and Sharon Stone and thing going on with the affair stuff like that didn't come into play at all and yeah there's just stuff in here i wondered at one point should he have just made a documentary this starts off like a documentary with all of the found footage and and he's weaving a narrative with that and then it kind of ends with all that documentary footage as well uh, from the rally and him getting shot and so forth it's all real life stuff intercut with the refilmed new stuff partway through this movie i was like maybe he should have just made a documentary because that's the more engaging stuff when he's illustrating 1968 through the stock footage as opposed to having Elijah Wood come out and say, like, I've got to get married. I don't want to go to Vietnam. It becomes a little more heavy-handed in the story stuff. I liked it more with the uh, documentary feel. I just feel like he should have pumped that up. And I think that was the same with Parkland, if I'm not mistaken. They tried to start that off with like intercutting with found footage and things like that. But uh, yeah,
0: I don't know. I almost felt like he should have pushed that more in this movie. Well, what's weird about this movie, not as a movie, but sort of the story behind it, is what I was reading is that Emilio Estevez really struggled to get this movie made like he was running into problems with financing he was literally selling artwork that he owned so he could pay for more of the movie at other times I think it took him seven years to get this made he should have made another Young Guns and
1: gotten the profits from that (laughs) I mean I grew up with this guy it's crazy to see that Charlie Sheen became You know the all-star brother, and that Emilio kind of just faded a little bit into obscurity. But
0: yeah, he was a huge star in the in the '90s. You could do like what Vin Diesel does. Like Vin Diesel did all these movie franchises, so he could save up money to make another Pitch Black movie. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's, or make another Riddick movie. Like there are better ways to go about this. But also at the same time, you know, he clearly cares about this. Like anybody who spends seven years trying to get something done is very clearly passionate about it. But at the same time, apparently he was running into writer's block as well writing this and like would lie to all these people like, oh yeah, the script's done, the script's done, we're working on it, whatever. And then he only had 30 pages done. Hmm. Charlie Sheen read it and had to like encourage him like, no man, like this is good, like keep going with it. Like it's weird to have this like you know he's so passionate about this. He wants to get this made. He's literally selling things he owns to get this done. Mm-hmm. And yet he still also can't write the script. Like I can't figure out where his passion lies. And also to see him on screen, he's got sort of a smaller role. It's always interesting to me, like see the writer director as an actor and like mm-hmm. see like what he gave himself to do. And like the first big moment in the movie for him is he's just getting yelled at. Like he's getting reamed out. And I was like, oh, that's kind of like dehumanizing and like humiliating. Like okay. Yeah and then the second thing that I remember happening is there's like that jazz band like warming up and I'm like hey man play with us like you're a great drummer I'm like alright here we go like you know he's getting called up like alright guys I'll play a song with you mm-hmm. I don't feel like he belongs in the movie he's just sort of there because he can be on screen for free like I, I don't know hmm.
1: it did kind of come across to me as we I can't get anyone to play this part so I'm gonna have to play it but then I was like how is that possible because this movie is just populated with too many stars it's like night of a thousand stars it's like, I don't maybe he used some of his dad's clout, Martin Sheen, to gather some of these troops. That's what's so bizarre to me. It's like, most of it doesn't even work. I think the best stuff is like Ashton Kutcher because he's disguised as the drug dealer hippie guy. I like Nick Cannon a lot because I never really seen him on screen and I think that he was really good in this and like came through. I mean, the guy, like I think I mentioned to you before, Shia's partner. Like, I've never seen him before. Like, what's working for me are the things I don't recognize, right? Like, I almost wish this was less populated if they're going to go with, like, this crossover
0: multi-story weaving narrative, it just falls apart. I feel like this is kind of a Never on Tuesday situation where he's just calling in favors, because one of the bits Mm. of trivia on IMDb was that this movie reunited Emilio Estevez with many of his former collaborators. Like, he worked with Christian Slater on Young Guns 2, he was with Anthony Hopkins in Free Jack, he was with Demi Moore (laughs) in St. Elmo's Fire and Wisdom, he was obviously related to Martin Sheen, Mm -hmm. you know, and then I I feel like once he had Demi Moore, she was married to her, she still maybe is married to Ashton Kutcher. Oh
1: yeah, I wondered about that if they were together at this time.
0: She probably brought him on board. I think he was engaged. Amelia was engaged to Demi Moore at one point. So I feel like it's sort of like, who do we know who can just like be a big name in my movie that I don't have to pay or I can pay sort of the minimum? It kind of
1: reminds me of like Joss Whedon making Much Ado About Nothing with his friends, right? It's almost like, let's make a home movie but use our clout to get it wide-released and everything.
0: Yeah, it's just... It's it's strange. Everything about this sort of... Like, it doesn't seem sloppy. It just seems... Like, nothing is planned out, both in terms of, like, the writing and, like, apparently Helen Hunt only got the script the day before they started shooting. Like, for the movie that took seven years to make, it just seems like everything kind of came together quickly and just, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I can't believe he had writer's (laughs) writer's block because of how much is going on here. Yeah, like, I didn't even know what Helen Hunt and Martin Sheen were doing in this movie. I guess you find out at the very, very end they're Lindsay Lohan's parents that she's estranged from because she's getting married. Elijah Wood I think that's what's going on but that's like a whole other thing is like I feel like it's well made like technically this is a good looking movie and you know there's no mistakes or anything and everyone's acting pretty well there's really no plot it's basically just a day in the life of this hotel the ambassador and then Kennedy gets shot and that's at the very very end That's like the very very last thing that happens you know so I almost wish that you know at the halfway point like I said earlier, like, let's speed this up. Let's have less characters focus more on just the staff or just the guest. And then halfway through the movie, let's have Kennedy get shot and then get a little bit after that of how these people's lives have changed or were affected
0: or, you know, it just leaves you hanging, right? 'Cause the way that they're all affected is that like everybody we care about was shot. Like that's 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 how this movie impacted them. Like, they've all just been shot or killed or whatever. Like it's just there's no time to decompress. Like what what it, what could have been really cool, and I just thought about this and I think it's similar to what you've been saying is like imagine if we just spent the entire movie in the kitchen and maybe the kitchen and the restaurant right like Mm -hmm. maybe they're doing kitchen like they're doing food prep for I don't know if this makes sense in terms of like food preparation I don't think it does maybe but they're doing food for like the banquet and they're also doing food for the restaurant so we still have the Mary Elizabeth Winstead and there's like three weddings going on too yeah so they're just doing things for everything we're sort of like we see Mary Elizabeth Winstead in a couple scenes because I love her and she's I want to spend more time with her but I understand like she's sort of in the movie the right amount Mm -hmm. and you know we still have her like they're giving her food and she's able to talk to a couple customers at the counter or whatever and then we have them giving food to the wedding we go up to the wedding we see Lindsay Lohan for like two minutes instead of like the 10 minutes or whatever we spend with her like you're saying halfway through or three quarters through you know they bring Kennedy through the kitchen and then there's the shot and there's the aftermath I feel like there's so much like the kitchen sort of has the most life to it Mm -hmm. we spend the most time there but like the way that it's utilized now it just doesn't make sense
1: yeah and I feel like the movie wants to spend most of its time in the kitchen, too, and that stuff is what's working best for me. I mean, I wish there was more Lawrence Fishburne. I really like the other guy in the kitchen, you know, the one who's like, angry all the time, and I feel like he's really doing a good job, and that's where the central action is going to be taking place, and plus, like, that's where the talk about race and racism and, and relations and all that, I feel like, actually works, because you have, like, a black guy talking to a Mexican guy in 1968, you know, and there's no white people around to interject and it's really interesting to get that in a mainstream film like this that perspective or that point of view when they do show like Christian Slater he is kind of like this huge racist but towards the end they kind of try to humanize him a bit more and I don't know I kind of do get this sense from his character that like he knows he's been doing something wrong yeah I feel like you're totally right like this should have just been the
0: kitchen maybe extended to like some peripheral staff or something the whole I guess the whole point of the movie in a sense is that he's trying to relate what was going on in nineteen sixty eight to what's going on in two thousand six, what's going on in modern day. So there's still like anti war, there's still talk about, you know, communism, socialism sort of, mm-hmm. there's still obviously racism, there's all these different things. The same way that we've been talking about other things, like in terms of the narrative focus, you're just focusing on too many issues. If you just pick two or three instead of like six or seven to focus on in terms of like all right we're going to talk about racism and we're going to talk about the war and like that's it you know even that might be too much but at least it'd be more focused than like hey let's cover like all these different things and all these different fears and all these different Mm. ways to relate 40 years ago to today
1: yeah, and and as much as I love my favorite stuff, the Shia stuff, right, like all the yes. – we'll talk about the LSD sequence and everything, but as much as I love that stuff, I almost feel like that's got to go. Like all the stuff with the people on the campaign trail, like I don't really feel like this needs to focus on, you know, the people closest to Kennedy at the time. I like the idea that it's these people who are – know, unrelated whatsoever that are at the hotel, and their lives are affected by his presence one night there. I think that's a much more interesting idea. So, like, Joshua Jackson and Nick Cannon, like, as much as I also like their performances and stuff here, like, gotta go, you know? I just feel like that time could be spent much better focusing on other stuff.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about Shia, because you you brought him up, and he's he's the best part of this movie Not because it fits in the movie, but just because there's, like, fun there and there's energy there. He and this other guy who you said like you haven't seen a lot of things he's been in things I've seen he's in like Chicago Fire and Chicago PD like those I think those NBC shows okay. like, he's the same character across three different TV series like there's, oh, there's like universe. a medical drama and a firehouse and there's like a cop whatever and like a, you know law enforcement there's all these things in Chicago he plays the same guy in all those so I think that's what he's most known for at least okay.
1: today he's like the Nick Fury of that network yeah
0: <laughs> he and Shia are these two guys who are supposed to go campaign for Kennedy and basically go door to door and just say hey like make sure you go out to vote today you should vote for Bobby whatever instead of doing that they want to just sort of goof around and they go to this one hotel room where Ashton Kutcher is because I guess the day before I don't know if it was actually the day before they sort of got a tip but like Shia's like hey you sold me weed yesterday like let's see what else we got yeah we want more we want more and so they go in there and Ash Kutcher begins to, like grill them about why they're getting high and they're like man because it feels good he's like that's wrong that's wrong you know it, it just it's just it's weird and it's sort of like it's not good yet but then he convinces them to take LSD and suddenly we're like in this like trippy alternate reality where they open doors and there's just like basically computer screens and it's just like this head trip of a movie head trip of a scene Shia gets naked he squats in the litter box fully naked (laughs) to try to pee I guess I don't really know what's going on. What's weird about going backwards is that this is his first nude scene in a movie, but Uh we've already seen Nymphomaniac, where he's having hardcore on-screen sex, and, you know, he sent a sex tape of him and his girlfriend to Lars von Trier to be in that movie. We've seen where he goes from here, but the fact that this is the first one, it feels right in line with what we've seen. When you're thinking about it in normal time progression, it's completely different, I guess.
1: Yeah, it's crazy, because I was also thinking how he said for Charlie Countryman, he dropped acid to prepare for the role. Here he is doing that, all these films earlier, already. Like, it's kind of weird that he he has two movies where he's on an acid trip. Definitely the best part of this movie. I mean, it's so strange, like, how well I feel. It's always tricky to pull off the depictions of drugs and alcohol and tripping and stuff like that in films. I, I look to sort of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas as, like, the best example, maybe, but uh, this does it really well because I feel like it captures the trip these characters would be having, like, right. just messing around in the hotel room and throwing furniture out the window, peeing in the litter box, like, yeah, opening the door to their closet and seeing Nixon's head and... You know, napalm bombing in Vietnam and basically tweaking out the rest of the movie. Yeah, they really bring it. I just wish it related a little more to what was going on, aside from, oh, Shia and him are going to get shot at the end, and that's why we followed them. Like, I, I don't know if they're trying to push the drug message and how these, here you go, here are some straight laced kids doing acid and not doing any harm to anyone or causing any trouble but yet the media at the time is cracking down on druggies and the drug
0: movement and that whole hippie culture it was kind of confusing but i loved it anyway it's all weird and like they have this really crazy scene and they just sort of i think we cut away with them staring into their closet and like looking at nixon and Shia's naked and you just see his butt and then we're just like they're, they're gone You're like oh that might be the end because like on the front of the DVD cover, they lists like, 10 or 12 names, and he's not on there. And so you know he's not going to be a huge star. And like, oh, maybe that was it. Like, maybe that's the story. And then we're outside, and we're, I think maybe we're with Joshua Jackson or somebody. We're playing
1: tennis with Martin Sheen. No,
0: right? no, before, before oh, that, even though, before that, okay. We're outside, like, out the front of the hotel, and something just, like, falls out a window. Oh,
1: yeah, in front of Amelia.
0: Yeah. Oh, This actually might be the, the same scene. I'm not sure. No, it's a little but, like, later, but
1: the television, I think.
0: Yeah, the television falls out, and then, like, the camera sort of goes up to the hotel room, and she Shia basically looks at the camera and says, It's a summer clearance sale... Everything's got to go, and then they just start freaking out and breaking things and throwing things out the window, and he kind of tackles a chair. I think it's the comedic relief. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, yeah. not that this movie really needs it because it's not heavy yet. But it's right. like we need to sort of throw in some fun stuff. And so we cut back to the hotel room and they're going nuts, and then we go away, and then we go to Emilio Estevez playing tennis with Helen Hunt, right? Or Martin Sheen, I think it's. Martin. Martin Sheen, and then you know he's about to serve and like he almost gets hit by like a stray ball and we look over and it's just Shia and his buddy like just whacking tennis balls around the court like with no regard for anything and he's like 14 love like just like a score that it can't be and just tripping over the net like while he's tripping he's literally tripping and just it doesn't make any sense within the context of the movie but like for what we're watching like the rest of this weird disjointed sprawling movie is worth it to see Shia just act in scene
1: yeah absolutely like his <laughs> I think <laughs> you nailed it when you said this might just be for comic relief uh, even if this is stuff that might have actually happened or be an exaggeration on the truth and everything like it kind of needed this levity in there somewhere like if awkward or not like there needed to be times where we laughed and took a breath because otherwise I'm just kind of scratching my head like yeah. I, I'm wondering you know when are they gonna kind of get to the point here and all that stuff that's why I wish like there was even more Shia and stuff if as as Much as it doesn't belong, let's stay with them, you know, keep checking back in on them or have them run through the end of every scene and just make it a madcap comedy about this crazy hotel. That's where I'm getting at
0: here now. I'm just trying to imagine, like, (laughs) better
1: scenes while watching this movie.
0: And then, you know, we cut away from them and then we cut back to them and they basically decide that going to see Planet of the Apes, which is in theaters now on acid, would be cool. And then they leave again. And then at the end of the night, they just say to the campaign manager, they say to Joshua Jackson, I think, like, hey, we got high and we went to see the movie. And then, like, their storyline is over. And then they just sort of go to decompress in that little restaurant diner area, and Mary Elizabeth Winstead's like, "Are you you guys need food? Like, I can see that you're tweaking out." She's like, is "This is the first time that you unlocked or whatever sort of hippie term that they use." You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he's like, are, "Are we that obvious?" And she's like, oh, "What would she say?
1: Like, not only people in California drop acid, and and he's like, "You're from Iowa," and she's like, "Ohio." <laughs>
0: Yeah, like, I almost wish, and I guess maybe it's just because I'm thinking about other things that I would have liked more than watching this movie, and maybe just because she was in 10 Cloverfield Lane, but I kind of wish that it was a movie with just the three of them, Mm. you know, where it's just her as the waitress and them, you know, on this, like, drug trip or what I don't know. (laughs) That's a whole other movie, but I want to see it. There's parts about this movie that I like that I'd rather see somewhere else. It just, it feels like, in a way, like, New York I Love You, or, like, one of the Gary Marshall movies that we were talking about when we watched that, like, there's just so many things going on that sort of tangentially relate to each other and things here tie into each other more than in New York I Love You but it still Mm. like feels so disjointed and nothing really lines up and clicks. Yeah, like
1: it only feels that way for me because it all takes place in the same location, but their relationships may as well be that abstract. And I think that's part of the problem of having too many storylines and too many characters is like your mind drifts, like you start to follow one story and then they cut away Quickly, for so long that by the time you get back to it you have to reinvest from the beginning almost or at least I yep. feel like I do you know and it's like a lot of work to remember <laughs> you know no offense but like that's what happens with, when these movies have too much Going on. And so my mind starts to drift, and I might go online for a few minutes, or I might pause the movie and get something to eat, or just get like, it's asking you to like be distracted and do other things, I think. Like, at times it's like, ah, it's just kind of felt like a
0: chore to get through. And what's weird, I feel like that's almost like, I don't want to say that's intentional, but the movie doesn't give you a lot to really identify with these characters. Like, you're just like, oh, this is the scene with Helen Hunt. Like, I don't know what her character's name is. Mm -hmm. If you look on IMDb, nobody has a last name because the movie's called Bobby. I mean, people called him Bobby. Everybody's just a first name. And so we don't really get to know these characters' names. I feel like nobody really uses names ever. We're Mm -hmm. like, okay, here we go. Here's just the scene with Christian Slater. They never become characters. Like, they're too big of a name. They're too recognizable, which is bringing back to what we said at the very beginning. They're more actors in a thing than characters in a movie. Yeah. And it's just just distracting. Yeah, absolutely,
1: man. I think... I think you nailed it. (laughs) Yeah, because you're right, because never once was I like, oh, there's, what's his name? I was always like, oh, it's William H. Macy. Yeah. Or something like that. Which you know, we
0: haven't even mentioned. Like, and he's a huge star. Like, my entire notes pretty much is just like every scene, at least for the first half of the movie, I'm just writing a different person's name down. I'm like, oh, like they're in this movie. Oh, they're in this movie, and they're all like, like Heather Graham. You know, I love Heather Graham, and she's in this movie for five minutes, and yeah. she's just basically there to sort of have an affair with William H Macy, then get dumped, and then just sort of look pretty while crying and be in underwear. Like, that's the entire reason that she's in this movie. I don't know. It just it's weird.
1: Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> I do. I wish. I really wish I had more to to contribute to that. But it's like I think we're both on the very same page by this point.
0: I think that's all I have to say about this movie. This is sort of a shorter one, and I feel like as we get into the back half of Shia, I think mm-hmm. there's going to be still some more that are going to be longer. I think the next four or five are going to be longer. Maybe we're firmly in the back half. Disturbia marked the sort of the midway point. There are 27 episodes. There's 27 things we're doing. And this is episode 15, so, I mean, from here on out, like, episodes are probably going to be shorter, because he's going to be in the movies less, he's going to sort of have less of a role, they're going to be kind of less interesting, and this is sort of, like, I hope that this isn't really, like, a sign of what's to come, but I sort of fear that it is.
1: I think half and half, right? I think for the next couple, as we go back, I think his roles are going to be smaller, because he'll be in bigger films and then as we get even further back he'll be in bigger roles because he's kind of in these smaller children's movies i'm not entirely positive but look forward to finding it out as always look forward to <laughs> checking out what's up ahead the one final note i guess i had about this was you know as they have all these famous actors in here that are big names as you mentioned shia isn't on the cover art with them you know he's not one of the big names on the uh poster or anything like that and I wondered if it's because this is sort of in that realm of still being like typecast as like the clean cut kind of kid almost Mm -hmm. or if he's still sort of in his child phase and known for being a kid actor and I found kind of interesting about this role he's in here in a sea of all these big names and his performance is probably one of the most bold and memorable, you know? Like, you see his butt. Like, he drops acid. Like, he really, right. you know, he starts out clean cut, but by the end, he's morphed into, like, he's gotten shot. Like, all these dangerous kind of things equated with taking chances as an actor, I guess, at this time. I thought it was it's kind of funny that this feels, to me, like almost another one of those transitional attempts to, you know, do something a little more out of the ordinary. And at the same time, I, I we mentioned in the last one or two episodes how he's feeling a little more like Cage would in his Choices and his roles mm-hmm, than maybe we mm-hmm. were expecting from Keanu. His whole performance in here, his energy, his range, all of that, I was getting a lot of Cage vibe from it just from like, oh, look, he's like experimenting or he tried this or like he's going for it. You know, when he's throwing that chair out the window, for some reason I just got vibes of Nicolas Cage going nuts and freaking yeah. out.
0: I feel like the only other thing I wanted to say, and it, it, you, what you just said reminded me, is that. I feel like there's no there's nothing to back this up but i feel like this could have been the movie that robert redford saw to cast him in the company you keep it feels the same like the characters are kind of similar i think this one's a little bit more naive but both movies he's sort of surrounded by these huge huge movie stars yeah and he's able to hold his own and yeah. it's like oh like this kid isn't going to be intimidated by acting across in the same scene as insert major Hollywood player X like he's there he can hold his own people are going to remember him and I'm able to cast him as the lead in my movie or whatever you know Mm -hmm. I think that I just I I just sort of got a lot of similarities just I guess because of the star power and also just the type of character he was and both kind of clean cut sort of smart kind of driven but also maybe not quite so Mm -hmm. kids I don't know I
1: also thought of that movie in the sense that it stunt cast really well because there were far fewer characters to keep track of and you kind of met them one at a time and stuff. I was like, yeah, that's how you populate your movie with stars. Not so much this one where there's just too many in the same place at the same time.
0: Right, 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 right. Oh, this is also Lindsay Lohan's first R-rated movie. Oh, the, I think Shia's partner in this movie would go on to be in I Know Who Killed Me with her, which was <laughs> terrible, uh, where she plays twins, I think. So huh. that's another, maybe, I don't know if that's R-rated or well, not. But That's a Shia connection, because of... Shia played twins in Eagle Eye. Well, oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> Except one, one was dead. Although, yeah. Oh, God. That was oh, all, Okay. <laughs> Go listen Um, to that episode.
1: It's already Go listen
0: to that episode. Go listen to How This Get Made About. I Know Who Killed Me, because that movie is bad. So for all things all his movies, you can go to cageclub.me or facebook.com slash cageclub. You can follow us on Twitter. You can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. See the episodes that we've done next, or see the episodes that we've done, figure out what's coming next. I say this at the end of every episode, and I still don't have it down. I still stumble over my words. So go do your thing. Go find us, etc. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And we'll see you next time on All His Movies. I
1: got an